Chapter Nine of the Little Minister. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. The Little Minister by J. N. Barry. Chapter Nine: The Woman Considered in Absence. The Adventures of a Military Cloak. About six o'clock, Margaret sat up suddenly in bed with the conviction that she had slept in to her this was to ravel the day a dire thing the last time it happened gavin softened by her distress had condensed the morning worship into a sentence that she might make up on the clock her part on waking was merely to ring her bell and so rouse jean for margaret had given gavin a promise to breakfast in bed and remain there till her fire was lit accustomed all her life however to early rising her feet were usually on the floor before she remembered her vow and then it was but a step to the window to survey the morning to margaret who seldom went out the weather was not of great moment while it mattered much to gavin yet she always thought of it first thing and he not at all until he had to decide whether his companion should be an umbrella or a staff on this morning margaret only noticed that there had been rain since gavin came in forgetting that the water obscuring the outlook was on the other side of the panes she tried to brush it away with her fist it was of the soldiers she was thinking they might have been awaiting her appearance at the window as their signal to depart for hardly had she raised the blind when they began their march out of thrums from the manse she could not see them but she heard them and she saw some people at the tenements run to their houses at the sound of the drum other persons less timid followed the enemy with execrations halfway to Tilladrum. margaret the only person as it happened then awake in the manse stood listening for some time in the summer seat of the garden however there was another listener protected from her sight by thin spars despite the lateness of the hour margaret was too soft-hearted to rouse jean who had lain down in her clothes trembling for her father she went instead into gavin's room to look admiringly at him as he slept often gavin woke to find that his mother had slipped in to save him the enormous trouble of opening a drawer for a clean collar or of pouring the water into the basin with his own hand sometimes he caught her in the act of putting thick socks in the place of thin ones and it must be admitted that her passion for keeping his belongings in boxes and the boxes in secret places and the secret places at the back of drawers occasionally led to their being lost when wanted they are safe at any rate for i put them away some gate was then margaret's comfort but less soothing to gavin yet if he upbraided her in his hurry it was to repent bitterly his temper the next instant and to feel its effects more than she temper being a weapon that we hold by the blade when he awoke and saw her in his room he would pretend unless he felt called upon to rage at her for self-neglect to be still asleep and then be filled with tenderness for her a great writer has spoken sadly of the shock it would be to a mother to know her boy as he really is but i think she often knows him better than he is known to cynical friends we should be slower to think that the man at his worst is the real man and certain that the better we are ourselves the less likely is he to be at his worst in our company every time he talks away his own character before us he is signifying contempt for ours on this morning margaret only opened gavin's door to stand and look for she was fearful of awakening him after his heavy night even before she saw that he still slept she noticed with surprise that for the first time since he came to thrums 
he had put on his shutters. She concluded that he had done this lest the light should rouse him. He was not sleeping pleasantly, for now he put his open hand before his face as if to guard himself, and again he frowned and seemed to draw back from something. He pointed his finger sternly to the north, ordering the weavers, his mother thought, to return to their homes, and then he muttered to himself so that she heard the words, And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Then suddenly he bent forward, his eyes opened and fixed on the window. Thus he sat for the space of half a minute, like one listening with painful intentness. When he lay back, Margaret slipped away. She knew he was living the night over again, but not of the divot his right hand had cast, nor of the woman in the garden. Gavin was roused presently by the sound of voices from Margaret's room, where Jean, who had now gathered much news, was giving it to her mistress. Jean's cheerfulness would have told him that her father was safe had he not wakened to the thoughts of the Egyptian. I suppose he was at the window in an instant, unsnibbing the shutters and looking out as cautiously as a burglar might have looked in. The Egyptian was gone from the summer seat. He drew a great breath. But his troubles were not over. He had just lifted his ewer of water when these words from the kitchen capsized it. Aye, an Egyptian. That's what the old folk call a gypsy. Weel, Mrs. Dishart, she led the police and soldiers sich a dance through thrums as would baffle description. Though I can't the fits and fours ut as I dinna. I but they gripped her in the end, and the queer thing is Gavin listened to no more. He suddenly sat down. The queer thing, of course, was that she had been caught in his garden. Yes, and doubtless queerer things about this hussy and her husband were being bawled from door to door. To the girl's probable sufferings he gave no heed. What kind of a man had he been a few hours ago to yield to the machinations of a woman who was so obviously the devil? Now he saw his folly in the face. The tray in Jean's hands cluttered against the dresser, and Gavin sprang from his chair. He thought it was his elders at the front door. In the parlour he found Margaret sorrowing for those whose mates had been torn from them, and Jean with a face flushed by talk. On ordinary occasions the majesty of the minister still cowed Jean, so that she could only gaze at him without shaking when in church, and then because she wore a veil. In the manse he was for taking a glance at sideways, and then going away comforted, as a respectable woman may once or twice in a day look at her brooch in the pasteboard box as a means of helping her with her work, but with such a to-do in Thrums, and she the possessor of exclusive information, Jean's reverence for Gavin only took her to-day as far as the door, where she lingered half in the parlour and half in the lobby, her eyes turned politely from the minister, but her ears his entirely. I thought I heard Jean telling you about the capture of the... of an Egyptian woman? Gavin said to his mother nervously. Did you cry to me? Jean asked, turning round longingly. But maybe the mistress will tell you about the Egyptian herself. Has she been taken to Tilladrum? Gavin asked in a hollow voice. Sup your porridge, Gavin, Margaret said. I'll have no speaking about this terrible night till you've eaten something. I have no appetite, the minister replied, pushing his plate from him. Jean, answer me. Deed done said jean willingly they hinna tine her to tilladrum for what reason asked gavin his dread increasing for the reason that they couldna catch her jean answered she spirited herself away the majorful crater 
What? But I heard you say, Ay, they had her since, but they couldn't keep her. It's like a witch story. They had her safe in the townhouse, and both Shearer and Captain guarding her, and sign in a clink she wasna there. All nicht they looked for her, but she hadn't left so muckle as a footprint ahint her, and in the tail of the day they had to whip their tap in their lap and march away without her. Gavin's appetite returned. Has she been seen since the soldiers went away? he asked, laying down his spoon with a new fear. Where is she now? No human eye has seen her, Jean answered impressively. War is she now? War does the flies vanish to in winter? We can there some gate. But war? But what are the people saying about her? Daft things, said Jean. Old Charles Yule gangs the length of hinting that she's dead and buried. She could not have buried herself, Jean, Margaret said mildly. I dinna ken. Charles says she's even capable o' that. Then Jean retired reluctantly, but leaving the door ajar, and Gavin fell to on his porridge. He was now so cheerful that Margaret wondered. If half the stories about this gypsy be true, she said, she must be more than a mere woman. Less, you mean, mother, Gavin said, with conviction. She is a woman, and a sinful one. Did you see her, Gavin? I saw her. Mother, she flouted me. <gasps> the darling toppy, exclaimed Margaret. She is all that, said the minister. Was she dressed just like an ordinary gypsy body? But you don't notice clothes much, Gavin. Oh, I noticed hers. Gavin said slowly. She was in a green and red, I think, and barefooted. Aye, shouted Jean from the kitchen, startling both of them. But she had a langy green-like cloak, too. She was seen juking up clothes in it. Gavin rose considerably annoyed and shut the parlor door. Was she as bonny as folks say? asked Margaret. Jean says they speak of her beauty as unearthly. Beauty of her kind, Gavin explained learnedly, is neither earthly nor heavenly. He was seeing things as they are very clear now. What, he said, is mere physical beauty? Pooh! And yet, said Margaret, the soul surely does speak through the face to some extent. Do you really think so, mother? Gavin asked a little uneasily. I have always noticed it, Margaret said, and then her son sighed. But I would let no face influence me a jot, he said, recovering. Ah, Gavin, I'm thinking I'm the reason you pay so little regard to women's faces. It's no natural. You spoiled me, you see, mother, for ever caring for another woman. I would compare her to you, and then where would she be? Sometime, Margaret said. You'll think differently. Never, answered Gavin, with a violence that ended the conversation. Soon afterwards he set off for the town, and in passing down the garden walk cast a guilty glance at the summer seat something black was lying in one corner of it he stopped irresolutely for his mother was nodding to him from her window then he disappeared into the little arbor what had caught his eye was a bible on the previous day as he now remembered he had been called away while studying in the garden and had left his bible on the summer seat a pencil between its pages not often probably had the egyptian passed a night in such company but what was this gavin had not to ask himself the question the gypsy's cloak was lying neatly folded at the other end of the seat why had the woman not taken it with her hardly had he put this question when another stood in front of it what was to be done with the cloak he dared not leave it there for jean to discover he could not take it to the manse in daylight beneath the seat was a tool-chest without a lid and into this he crammed the cloak 
then having turned the box face downwards he went about his duties but many a time during the day he shivered to the marrow reflecting suddenly that at this very moment jean might be carrying the cursed thing at arm's length like a dog in disgrace to his mother now let those who think that gavin has not yet paid toll for taking the road with the egyptian follow the adventures of the cloak shortly after gloaming fell that night jean encountered her master in the lobby of the manse he was carrying something and when he saw her he slipped it behind his back had he passed her openly she would have suspected nothing but this made her look at him why do you stare so jean gavin asked conscience stricken and he stood with his back to the wall until she had retired in bewilderment i have noticed her watching me sharply all day he said to himself though it was only he who had been watching her gavin carried the cloak to his bedroom thinking to lock it away in his chest but it looked so wicked lying there that he seemed to see it after the lid was shut the garret was the best place for it he took it out of the chest and was opening his door gently when there was jean again she had been employed very innocently in his mother's room but he said tartly jean i really cannot have this which sent jean to the kitchen with her apron at her eyes gavin stowed the cloak beneath the garret bed and an hour afterwards was engaged on his sermon when he distinctly heard someone in the garret he ran up the ladder with a terrible brow for jean but it was not jean it was margaret mother he said in alarm what are you doing here i'm only tidying up the garret gavin yes but uh, it is too cold for you did jean did jean ask you to come up here jean she knows her place better gavin took margaret down to the parlor but his confidence in the garret had gone he stole up the ladder again dragging the cloak from its lurking place and took it into the garden he very nearly met jean in the lobby again but hearing him coming she fled precipitately which he thought very suspicious in the garden he dug a hole and there buried the cloak but even now he was not done with it he was wakened early by a noise of scraping in the garden and his first thought was jean but peering from the window he saw that the resurrectionist was a dog which already had its teeth in the cloak that forenoon gavin left the manse unostentatiously carrying a brown paper parcel he proceeded to the hill and having dropped the parcel there retired hurriedly on his way home nevertheless he was overtaken by d fittis who had been cutting down winds fittis had seen the parcel fall and running after gavin returned it to him gavin thanked d fittis and then sat down gloomily on the cemetery dyke half an hour afterwards he flung the parcel into the tillyloss garden in the evening margaret had news for him got from jean do you remember gavin that the egyptian every one is still speaking of wore a long cloak well would you believe it the cloak was captain hollowell's and she took it from the town-house when she escaped she is supposed to have worn it inside out he did not discover that it was gone until he was leaving thrums mother is this possible gavin said the policeman weary world has told it he was ordered it seems to look for the cloak quietly and to take any one into custody in whose possession it was found has it been found no the minister walked out of the parlour for he could not trust his face what was to be done now the cloak was lying in mason baxter's garden and baxter was therefore in all probability within four-and-twenty hours of the tilladrum goal does mr dishart ever wear a cap at neeks femi wilkie asked samuel fairweather three hours later na na he has o'er muckle respect for his lumhat answered samuel and reekly for it's the crown and stone of the edifice 
then it couldna have been him i met at the back o tillylost now said femi though the like him it was he juk it back when he saw me while femi was telling her story in the tenements mason baxter standing at the window which looked into his garden was shouting what's that in my yard there was no answer and baxter closed his window under the impression that he had been speaking to a cat the man in the cap then emerged from the corner where he had been crouching and stealthily felt for something among the cabbages and pea-sticks it was no longer there however and by and by he retired empty-handed the egyptian's cloak has been found margaret was able to tell gavin next day mason baxter found it yesterday afternoon in his garden gavin asked hurriedly no in the quarry he says but according to jean he is known not to have been at the quarry to-day some seem to think that the gypsy gave him the cloak for helping her to escape and that he has delivered it up lest he should get into difficulties whom has he given it to mother gavin asked to the policeman and has weary world sent it back to hallowell yes he told jean he sent it off at once with the information that the masons had found it in the quarry the next day was sabbath when the new trial now to be told awaited gavin in the pulpit but it had nothing to do with the cloak of which i may here record the end weary world had not forwarded it to its owner meggie his wife took care of that it made its reappearance in thrums several months after the riot as two pairs of sabbath breeks for her sons james and andrew end of chapter nine recorded by sylvia m b in washington state